Episode 21 Connections Introducing Alex Outlaw on the BTS Creative Academy podcast with me your host Martin Colton How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really well thank you um yeah lots of things going on in my life at the moment uh, creative and otherwise so okay been a bit of a journey the last kind of six months but uh yeah it's all good okay T- yeah. tell me about that journey um so back in sort of february time i realized i'd kind of lost myself a little bit and um i started to turn to exercise which i've literally never done in my whole life really okay yeah um i've always been a bit allergic to ex- of exercise and uh yeah i just decided that i wasn't feeling very me and i needed to do something and change how i was feeling about myself um and I did so yeah I started just exercising and walking first of all Mm -hmm. uh and then putting some strength training and some pilates and stuff like that which is all obviously good for the uh, good for the body and the mind mind and voice so that's right with all the stability around your core Mm -hmm. that's all really important and obviously that's a lot of what I do is singing yes um, yeah as well as my artwork yeah okay yeah yeah, I find um, exercise, to, I, I have an in-and-out relationship with exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- for exactly the same reason, that yeah. I find it helps my, my mind as well as my body. Yeah. Um, and yeah, over, the, over this last year, I've, I've also thrown myself into, into exercise yeah. um, and found it to have been, been a great help. And I'm on, a, I'm on a pace now where I'm trying to push that a bit further. Uh, so that I stick with it this time, because mm-hmm. that's the hard thing, isn't it, to stick it really with it? Is. Yeah, that's the thing. I've I've had to find sort of the place in the day for it. So I get up first thing in the morning at six every morning and wow. do it then. Um, that wasn't easy. That's been the no. hardest bit actually, <clears throat> is getting up at six to do the exercise. And then mm-hmm. once I'm up, I just think I listen to my body and I'm like, right, what do you, what do you fancy doing today? I'm trying to talk to myself a little bit. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, a bit okay. crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What do you what do you fancy doing today? And sometimes it's Pilates, sometimes it's like a really long walk or a short walk or yeah, whatever I want to do. Yeah. And that's been, I've 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 restructured my life in the last six months from literally just walking and thinking and being by myself because right. again, I'd never really done that I was always such a busy person Mm -hmm. always I always try and fill my life as much as possible like today has been absolutely crazy (laughs) and this is like this is my relaxing time at the end of the day which is nice okay um but yeah I always try and fill my life so I think having that space at the beginning of the day just to think like just to set up what you want to do your intentions Mm -hmm. for the day that's all really important to get my mind in the right space how 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 do you start that then with that self-talk I'm assuming it's a positive self-talk yeah so I've got um I hate the word mantra. No, 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 it's cool. <laughs> Something like that. And I always start with, um, I'm sorry. So I apologize to myself for anything that I need to forgive myself for. And then I forgive you. Okay. And then thank you. And then I love you. So they're my four things that I say to myself. So I'm sorry. I forgive you. Thank you. And I love you. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's like. There could I think really... I nicked it from someone. Yeah. Did, did you see it on Instagram? On a... <laughs> I don't know where I got it from, but it just kind of appeared one day and I started using it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was, yeah, I, I, it, just, it just felt right to me. And that's what I needed to say to myself because I really did need to forgive myself for a lot of things right. and, and thank myself for what I'd done for myself mm-hmm. and, um, and, and love myself. And it sounds really 
odd and you think it's not like, at yeah, all you shouldn't you shouldn't pick yourself down for it because it's uh it's not an ego thing no, I, i've no. never i always you know people always say oh you should love yourself first mm-hmm. and i never really got it until now because if you do love genuinely love yourself then other people can come to you and you can genuinely help them and be mm. there for them and i couldn't do that before i wasn't the person that could do that i thought i was i really thought i was i thought i was the person that people would go to and and i would help them and but i wasn't i wasn't doing it as i should have been and now no. i feel like i can which is really exciting so it took a moment of self recognition oh it's taken months yeah. years probably yeah. you know it's this is just like the final well this is the product now i mean hopefully it'll grow and expand but yeah can i ask what kick started that moment um, I know it was on my dad's birthday. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it was on my dad's birthday, but it was. It was 20th of February. Okay. Oh, so there's a specific date. There's where... a specific date where I just went, right, this needs to change. Mm-hmm. Something needs to, you need to change. You need to be better for yourself, yeah, not for sure. anyone else, for yourself. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was that date. I think a lot of my dad, he's, he's amazing. He's my hero my mum's my hero as well they're incredible people that's great and um yeah i think it just got to his birthday and i thought yeah i need to do something for me mm-hmm. and i did and i'm good. so pleased I did. good on you that's <laughs> a it's a that sounds like this year has been an, a, an amazing journey for you an amazing turning point it has and um i'd always i'd always really struggled with a lot of self-doubt around my singing especially even though i've done it since i was well young but properly since i was 16 mm-hmm. Um, but I've never really thought that I was particularly any good, even though I taught it as well. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of self-doubt. And then, and especially recording myself and actually putting myself out there, that was so alien to me. Yeah, I've, I've, I've checked out some of your Instagram stuff, and that's a brave thing to do is <laughs> oh, to, it was so to put yourself out there, isn't yeah. it? To, yeah. you know, people, I think a lot of people look at the stuff you can do on Instagram as an artist and think, oh, you're doing that because you've got an ego, because you just want to show off yeah perhaps yeah but it's something i think it's something different isn't it for me it was Mm -hmm. for me it was quite cathartic in Mm. terms of i've always had um quite low self-esteem and not like i said not thought very much of um myself as a performer and uh i think just by being brave and putting myself out there and getting some really amazing feedback from people but which was important to me but actually looking at myself and thinking do you know what you're all right and accepting that and thinking mm-hmm. this is what you can do and this is good enough and if if it's good enough for me I'm going to put it out there and see if it's good enough for anyone else and everyone's been so positive and so sweet about it and I'm mm. I'm really really grateful for that yeah, and um, it it, uh, it takes a little bit of time to build anything up on social media if yeah. that if that's part of what you want to do, yeah. or it can be part of your your creative journey, mm-hmm. sharing it with the world. Yeah, why should you keep your creative talents just to yourself? Yeah, you I know? think that's another thing. There were so many people that enjoyed what I did, and I thought, you know, you're you're stopping people from enjoying that, even if it's just my family and my friends. I don't mm-hmm. mind, like you know, if. if one person enjoys what I do. That's that's really lovely, and I will thank them for that and move on. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So tell me where this uh, this singing career, this singing life started. Oh for gosh. You. Okay. So uh, I used to sing in the choir, school, mm-hmm. at church, and then. Um, and how was left. that? 
Oh, I loved it. I love mm-hmm. singing with other people. That's that's my joy. Mm-hmm. Um, harmonies and just listening to other people when they sing. That is my joy. Um, so I do that as often as I can. It's not very, well, if I do my musical theatre shows, it is. Yeah, that's sure. great. I love that. Um, yeah, but uh, in terms of, so I did that in uh, with the choir. And then when I was 16, I said to my mum, please, can I have singing lessons? And she said, yeah, if you want to. I was a bit taken aback because I'm not someone that sings in the shower or sings around the house or just, you know, I'm not someone that does that. I've never have been. Mm-hmm. don't know why. It's not something I avoid. It's just not something that comes naturally to me or that I want to do. Are you saying you're not necessarily like a, an extrovert? Absolutely no. not. Oh, my goodness, no. I'm and again, a... that's something everyone assumes, isn't it, with yeah. with artists, singers, actors, yeah. that we're all extroverts, mm-hmm. that we're all, we all just want to burst out into song at every opportunity, yeah. but we tend not to actually do it. No. And the thought of, this is another thing, the thought of, like, gigging, I never, I mm-hmm. never did a gig on my own in my life until May, I think, and um, it was because the thought of doing anything as me was so alien. I am. Um, I've done lots of musical theatre, so I'm somebody else. You know, I'm Julie Jordan in Carousel, or I'm Oak Park or in Anything Goes, or I'm I don't know Laurie in Oklahoma. That's fine. When I put on a costume and I put on a wig and I put on my face and I'm somebody else. But when I'm me mm. and I'm really vulnerable on that stage on my own, it's really hard. Yeah. And I found that really difficult. But now I'm loving it. I'm, I'm really I, enjoying it. I completely get that as well with, like you're saying, about the musical theatre thing being slightly different. Yeah. Where that I've done acting over the years and I always see myself as a different person mm-hmm. almost when I'm acting. Yeah. So I can put on a mask yeah. and pretend to be a different version of yeah. me, if you like. Um, but I have never approached singing for that, for that reason. Really? Because I know that when you sing, you're truly opening yourself up aren't yeah, you it it massively connects to your emotions and again mm. through the teaching and the um the pedagogy work that i've done i know that to be true because you can literally have someone in a singing lesson and they will sing something and they will just burst into tears or they'll start laughing for no reason and i'm like are you like you know tell me what you're feeling and they're like i don't know i don't mm. know why i'm doing this but it just connects to something mm-hmm. that's inside them and yeah it's, it's quite incredible how does that how does that feel for you having those moments with those people within your lessons um it was really scary at first because what do i do (laughs) what's happening with you but then the more it started happening and the more i realized what was going on with them or or not realized and just kind of sat with them and Hmm. spoke with them and sometimes it was something that they could pinpoint and sometimes it wasn't um I felt honoured and privileged that I'd been there to witness that moment of release because that's what it is. It's a moment of release that they don't even know that they need sometimes. Mm. And I've had them. You know, yeah. I've been singing a song um, and I, ju- I, I, I needed to cry for so long and I hadn't even realised I needed to cry and suddenly I'm in floods of tears and I can't finish it, you know? Mm. Luckily, never on stage. <laughs> <laughs> or if I have, I've just worked it into my performance. Yeah, there's, there's, it's just, you do get to a place where there is a difference between the performance you do in front of everyone yeah. and that performance you might do with just like one other person. Yeah, exactly. Or, or it's, it's always been in a rehearsal mm-hmm. or something, yes. you know, where you've just got Where to, you can be you're vulnerable. And you've got to get past mm-hmm. that, haven't you? You've got to get to the place where, I think especially with my musical theatre and things, you know, 
you have to get to that place where you find your version of the song first or your version of who that character is and then you develop it into the final character where it you know blossoms and actually becomes someone else that isn't you so mm -hmm. I, I always put myself into it first and then from that it grows okay yeah. so, so take me back to so you're 16 16 and you're asking your mum for music lessons and yeah. she's like so I'd always play piano. Yes. I'm terrible. Okay. I played since I was five and you would think I've been playing six months. I'm awful. Right, <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> so I don't think she was confident. Yes, yes. She was a bit like, oh, we've, we've, we've dabbled with this. music. Yeah, yes. we've done clarinet and yeah. oh, it wasn't great either. So mm -hmm. let's just, you know, she was really supportive. She always has been. And my dad, they've both been amazing. Um, but it, yeah, it just wasn't something that I'd ever really sort of asked about before or done apart from in the choir. And she'd heard mm -hmm. me sort of do tiny little solo lines and I had, really quiet little voice and like a little mouse and she was like okay well let's give it a go you can have half a term I was like okay I'll have half a term and I had a new music teacher called Mr West shout out to Mr West I'm still <laughs> friends with him now he's amazing really um, yeah, yeah 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 Richard wow. West yeah he's he's brilliant he's still my friend on Facebook and we yeah. chat and he always supports me like when I'm doing something so was he like, like you, was he like your first mentor would you say I'd you? say with my voice absolutely and he just said to me he went right I'm not going to teach you anything else apart from opera mm. I'm going to teach you classically and if you want to do anything else tough you need to go to someone <laughs> else I was like that's fine that's what I want to do anyway that was that's what I was interested in mm. because I'd always watched musicals and been into musical theatre and I loved Mario Lanza and Maria Callas and Pavarotti and you know the three tenors and all that sort of thing I was a bit of a weird kid <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah I'd love them so I thought well yeah let's give this a go and uh it's a really funny story actually if I can swear on this yeah yeah do you know what every <laughs> single guest so far this is like episode 21 and everyone asks can I swear and I say yes go for it <laughs> okay so it's a, it's a quote from somebody um and it was my nan she's from the east end of london she's a proper cockney mm -hmm. and uh, well she was better she's not with us anymore and um she well they, they came to see me sing in my first concert and i sang uh carol mio ben is a italian aria and i'd been singing for about four or five months and um i didn't tell anyone about it because i was so nervous and i told my my mum like four days before and the only tickets that were left, there's four tickets left at the back of the hall. And there was, I think my dad, my mum, my auntie and my nan all turned up. And um, I, I, I came on stage and I had no microphone in front of me. And just my Mr. West at the piano. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> apparently my nan just turned to my mum and she went, she got a microphone. I'm not going to hear a fucking word she's singing. <laughs> In my school hall. Oh my gosh! So that yeah, but um, that was she, your moment. That was my moment, and then I sang, and they heard every word. And mm. obviously, I mean, he was great. He trained me so beautifully to project my voice and make a clean sound and all of that. And I've never forgotten what he's teaching, what he taught, what he taught me. And yeah, it was uh, that was that was the key moment where I went, I can do this. Yeah, this is going to be part of this is my be, life. Yeah, and... this is who I'm meant to be. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah. So that influence of Mr. West, what what are the key takeaways you take from take from him and spread that to your students now? Um I think I don't know. I think just a a, a belief in the person that you're teaching. Mm -hmm. Uh he always knew I I knew that he always knew that I could do something. No matter how long it took, get infinite patience. Mm -hmm. And 
um, yeah, he was always like, no, you can definitely do it. You can do it. And and my first singing exam, he went, well, we're not going to bother doing anything else. You just do grade eight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Dive straight okay. in. Okay. I've been singing yeah. about eight months. And he was like, no, it's do grade eight. You don't mm-hmm. need to do anything else. Okay, Mr. Best, let's, let's do that then. Um, and again, his belief that I could do it spurred me on and, mm. and let me do it. And it was the first merit that I'd ever got in any music exam ever. Really? Yeah. And I was and so this, this, I really think there's something in that having just one person believe in you. Massively. Yeah. Just having one person say, you can do this. Mm. Yeah. Like, and, it, and you might not realize it at the time. You might take that at the time and be like, no, I can't. But on reflection, looking back, you're like, wow, that really did drive me forward. And it's, I think it's someone that you respect, you know, in, mm-hmm. the, in the industry or within that. But because my, my family have always been so supportive and always sort of said, you know, um, of course you can do it. Or, and very real with me and told me when I can't, maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I respect. But when someone in the industry or someone that, that does that for a living mm-hmm. goes, actually, I think you could probably do this. You, you have to listen, don't you? Yeah. Or you try, and then you get that belief in yourself, yeah. I think. And that's what I've tried to do with my students. You know, they, they hear me sing. And that's the other thing. Like I, I'm not a naturally gifted singer. I never have been. I, I work for every note that I make mm-hmm. with my voice. What does that mean? That being, just being <clears throat> someone so that I doesn't can't sing? Just, I can't just open my mouth and sing. I mm-hmm. can't. I, I wasn't that person. You know, like you get some children that I teach or, or people that I teach and they open their mouth and the tone that comes out and the pitching and everything is just bang on straight away and I'm like I don't know what I can do with you <laughs> maybe we'll just tweak a little something but I'm not that person I've always had to work for it I've always had to work on my technique and work on my breath control and everything's been hard fought not an effort but it's been hard fought I've worked and I think that's what makes me, what has made me a good teacher because I understand that struggle. Mm-hmm. I understand that, you know, when people are, are struggling with something and finding something difficult, I always say that to them, you know, I, I, I don't get this straight away. I have to practice, I have to rehearse, I have to do, you know, lots of rehearsals to get this. Do you think it being more difficult in some way you get a bit more reward out of it? Um, maybe. I don't know because mm. I've always been this way. Yeah. I've never been able to just, and people think I can just open my mouth and sing mm-hmm. because I do it and they're like, oh, you know, you're amazing or whatever. And I'm like, well, thanks, but, you know, <laughs> it's taken a lot of hard work. Yeah. I, see, I compare that to like me with acting and being dyslexic. Okay. So, yeah, I, I open up a script. I can barely read it. Yeah. And it's like, why the hell am I pursuing yeah. it? So why the hell am I? It's something that's really difficult for yeah. me to do, to, to read the, the pages on the the words on the page but yet once you completed that journey once you get to the end of it all and you've you've succeeded then the reward is is massive in a completely different way to the easy things in life yeah yeah definitely and again like you know getting up on stage and and performing and gigging that's that's hard for me Mm -hmm. I find that hard so again when I get to the end of gig I am exhausted like I am done but it's the best feeling mm. because you really feel like I've done something, I've achieved something. Yeah. So, so you've you've had this, you've had this teacher. Yep. Did you study as well outside? Did you uh, go to like any sort of college or university to study music? I went to. I was going to university to do art, 
Mm-hmm. That was my. So you, so you, na- you have this creativeness uh, within yeah. you. Oh god, yeah. yeah, gosh, yeah. I, I've always been creative. Like you know, whenever I was bored at home, mm-hmm. mum was like, "I'll go and draw something," or you know, go and make up a song, go and play your piano, piano, or watch a musical. It was always something creative, something around that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've always gravitated towards it. And yeah, I was going to do art, and then. I had to break it to my art teachers that I wasn't going to do art. I was going to do drama. But I only started drama in sixth form because we never had the opportunity when I was at school. I'm mm-hmm. quite old. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we never had the opportunity to do drama until sixth form. Right. Um, so when I did get the opportunity, I grabbed it with both hands and ran away with it and loved it so much that I pursued it for my degree. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I did drama, cultural and media studies because... I thought I'll get bored just doing drama. I was right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that's, that, was, that was how I came to be in the, the dramatic side of things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so you say you got bored with the drama side of it? Not thing. bored. I think I'm, I'm one of these people that, like I say, I like to keep busy and I like to do lots of different stuff. So mm-hmm. I think if I'd have just done straight drama, I might have got a little bit. Something else, yeah. You know? But then I found the Musical Theatre Society. That was in my in the first year. My friend Becky was part of it, and then she kind of introduced me to them all in the second year. And we did. They did Carousel. She played Julie Jordan. She was incredible. And I was like, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't really settled enough in my first year to be able to do it. it takes me a long time to settle anywhere, really. We used to not so much now. Um, and then in my second year, we did Half a Sixpence, mm-hmm. which I loved. And I, was one I of think the that's my mum's favourite. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I've just directed Kips, the new Half a Sixpence right, as well, okay. last year, last November. I've heard, so I've heard about this. It's called Kips, but people don't know what it is. So What's going on there? There's a, there's a writing duo called Styles and Drew mm-hmm. who have done lots of things. They did the new music for the Mary, new Mary Poppins stage show as well. Right. Um, and they wrote some new music to go alongside the old stuff. Um, that oh, the old composer had written, mm-hmm. and yeah, they they wrote some new songs like "Pick Out a Simple Tune" and oh, it's just some great stuff in there, which sits beautifully alongside the old stuff. Right. And it's just a reworking of it. Mm-hmm. So before, I think the uh, flashbang wallop comes halfway through when they get married, and then there's sort of a bit of a downer towards the end yeah, where he kind so. of goes into decline mm-hmm. <laughs> and doesn't want to be married to Anne and all that sort of thing but this finishes with Flashbang Wallop and it's more about Chitterlow's much more of a main character in it I think right. and he's got a great song called The Joy of the Theatre which is what brilliant it's such a fun fun show a uh, fun song it's a fun show as well yeah um so yeah that it's like a reworking of it basically so sorry this is something you're working on I worked on it last year. Oh, you worked, last you've year, done yes. it last year. Yeah, so I directed it up until November last year when it was on at Southland Arts in Bishop's Orchard. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. What type of production was this? Is this a, your production company, uh, Amateur Dramatic Society? Amateur Dramatic. So yeah. I've been part of Bishop's Orchard Musical Theatre Company since 2004 mm-hmm. uh, when I came back from university. Now you can work out how old so, I am. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to start. I didn't. <laughs> Don't worry. That's right, I'm terrible at math. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I. Uh, I joined them in 2004 and did Sound of Music with them. That was my first one. Mm-hmm. And I played Liesel when I was 21, 16 going on 17. And I was 21. <laughs> I was in a baby face. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I, I was part of the committee and I've been chairman. And, okay. um, and then last year, during uh, COVID, 
I wasn't a member anymore because I'd given up my membership so that I could direct them. It's not something you have to do, but I felt like right. I wanted to, to be you know, in a capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, and then I was, so I was working on kits for like three years. Normally it's a nine months that we do it for, but yeah, it's three years yeah. that I'd been working on it. Was it, it your COVID project, was it? It was, mm. yeah, very much. I started it before and then obviously it all got shut down and then picked it back up again. Um, and yeah, did it last November finally. So it was a long drawn out process and it really took it out of me yeah. and um and now i also i'm part of uh saffron walden musical theater company as well mm-hmm. and with them i've done kinky boots and sister act which is brilliant that's the second time I've done sister act right, okay. first time i played sister mary patrick which was hilarious absolutely hilarious i didn't even think i could do a funny part and, no. then, and, then, and then you did that and then i got sister mary patrick that was fun. isn't it funny how these parts can bring another side of you Oh yeah, you know. yeah. I never ever thought mm. I could do something like that, and um, yeah, I did. Yeah. Surprise myself. Yeah, I like doing that. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So uh, with the with the amateur dramatic stuff, yeah. what is it about that that you've enjoyed over the years? People. Mm-hmm. I love having friends that are, you know, eight that play my little sister, or eighty play my. Mom the, the, the widespread of, of ages and different and types of people experience as well mm. you know just different people's life experiences and there's so many people from so many different walks of life that are all brought together from this one love mm-hmm. and it's a it's it's a passion yeah. it is you have to love it and you become a you become like a family don't you Massively. afterwards after every like that I, I don't know about you but i don't think i've ever been involved with a show where you haven't created a bond at the end yeah. that's almost and with some individuals you become unbreakable don't you Absolutely. you create some friendships and all my all my closest friends that mm. i have um have all been part of my creative life and all come from my musical theater society or my musical theater connections mm-hmm. um Got one friend of hers since I was three, so she right. doesn't count. But, <laughs> but she's very musical, and she's very she loves musicals, and she's into musical theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we go and see shows together, and so everyone that I'm really close to has that love and that bond with that side of me. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's so important, it's so massive. And again, during COVID, I lost that. I didn't even watch a musical. I couldn't think about it. I couldn't. I couldn't do anything to do with it. I was still what, teaching. I don't know. I just had to shut it down. Really? Yeah. It had to go. Yeah. Because I couldn't go and see anything and I couldn't be involved in anything. I think I just shut it away. Was it almost too painful? Massively. Yeah. Massively. And I found teaching really hard because it was all online. Hmm. Um, when you're playing the piano and you're half beat. Yeah, or there's a lag. There's of, a lag in the Wi-Fi. Yeah, and, yeah. I literally learned to play half a beat in front of everyone, and then when I came back to doing live face-to-face lessons, it was really hard. To yeah, be <laughs> to, to, get, <laughs> to get it back. To yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah. So, did you ever? So, you've done the amateur dramatic stuff. You ever pursued this in any kind of professional capacity? Absolutely not. You no. haven't at all. No. Why, why is that? Um, have of course. Yeah. The aircon. The aircon's on. It, so it dries you out a bit, doesn't it? That on my yeah, interviewing a singer with a sore throat. Great. <laughs> I'm not going to get you to sing that. <laughs> Good. <one. clears throat> so, um, what was your <laughs> uh, co- professional capacity? <laughs> oh, Have yeah. you ever? Yeah. So you've. So everyone always says to me, mm-hmm. "Why aren't you in the West End? Mm-hmm. 
you're good enough, you could do it. And in my mind, I'm not. I go and see these people and I'm like, that's West End. This is not West End. And I think if you think like that, you're never going to make it because it's so competitive. I'm not a competitive person. I never have been within sports or anything. You know, Mm -hmm. I was the really annoying cousin sister who didn't care about winning but normally did right, okay. yeah, <laughs> I'd, yeah. I'd be the one that won the games and i'd be like oh that's nice and everyone mm. else like, oh, <laughs> why didn't i win I'm like oh and if when i didn't win i was like oh, okay that's fine let's just do something else mm. um yeah so i've never really been competitive it still winds my friends up now didn't escape from with my <laughs> with my cousin <laughs> and my mate the other day and they were like right we know you're not competitive but you've but really you've got, got, yeah, you've got, you've got to, to try now you've got to do this and i was um, i was really trying hard really difficult one mm. Um, yeah, so did I you think, win? Uh, we did. We got out with you eight got, minutes. Well, you got. You clearly you got out. Eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah, I didn't get kidnapped. Yeah. Apparently, that was what was going to happen. Oh, is that how it ends? Yeah. I've never been in an escape room. So I've literally it's the first one I've ever done. Right. Okay. And it's it's so like that is my fun fun place. Like mm. puzzles, escape, like anything like yeah. that. It's just really where I I love. Yeah, I just I knew I'd love it. And I is did. there an element of like role play with it as well? Uh, there, yeah, 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 you do. Yeah, so yeah. I think my acting side of things. Yeah, your it, performer kicked in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sort of feels that side of me as well. Because yeah, you're in a story, mm-hmm. so you're. And again, I feel really comfortable within that. You know, I feel comfortable within a story, and I think that's because sometimes it takes me out of. Well, it does take you out of reality, doesn't it? And I always said my my rehearsal times during the week. At musical theatre company have always been so important to me because I get to not be me mm-hmm. for those two and a half hours a Monday and a Wednesday sometimes a Sunday lucky. So yeah I get to not be me what is not being you? I think just escaping from life a little bit um, I think sometimes you need to don't you? I think that goes back to the whole thing of I've never like now, I am the most me I've ever been in my life, wow. and I'm so excited by like this opportunity. When yeah, this opportunities up, come up, don't they? When you honestly, when you when you open yourself up to it, that's it. And mm. the people that have been drawn into my life from me just going, okay, well, let's see what happens, mm. has been incredible, really incredible. I've met some wonderful people and had the most amazing experiences just because I've gone yes okay I'll do it and I've never been had the courage to do that before yeah 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 no it's funny because a similar similar thing for me and with, with this and being open to to talking and chatting with with new people that I don't necessarily know and exploring other people's creative lives and yeah just having that moment of of not actually forcing it mm-hmm. either yeah of just just a just allowing things to happen yeah. and just trusting trusting the process that's it and yeah. you know sort of coming here today mm-hmm. um i was really chilled out which i i wouldn't i shouldn't be like the old me would not have been i'd have been like right i need to prepare i need to think about what i'm talking about i need to have some things ready and i mm-hmm. i just didn't i just came and i thought just talk just be relaxed and just be you just yeah just be me and i because i trust who i am now Mm -hmm. i really felt like i could do that take it takes a lot to get to that though doesn't it to go i think i think (laughs) i'm gonna say my age now (laughs) i think hitting 40 yeah so that's me next year so i'm all i'm already yeah so (laughs) i 
I feel like I've had my midlife crisis. As, yeah, I you haven't. Know, well, I have. You don't feel, you, 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 <laughs> what, you don't feel like this is the this is the other this side of it. This is the turning point. This is the turning this is, point. Yeah, I'm, I'm think I'm. Mm. I think right now, I am in the pivotal stage, and this is why I'm so excited because it could yeah. go anywhere. I can go anywhere. I can do anything. I'm. I like feel the most free I've ever been. Life's open. For Life you now. is completely open, mm. and like I said, the opportunities just flooding in and I'm so excited and that starts with accepting who you are mm -hmm. accepting yourself for exactly who you are and if you want to change yourself after you've accepted yourself then do it but do it for the right reasons do it for you mm -hmm. don't do it for anyone else because I'd always done it for other people I'd always done it for other people yeah and I couldn't do that in had to do it for me as soon as I started doing things for me, like genuinely for and it, me. It, it's not selfish. No, is it? it's not. No, and it doesn't feel selfish. Mm. It doesn't feel like I'm doing it for my ego. Yeah. It feels like I'm doing it because I have to. As in, you've only got one chance, you've only got one life. You're the only person that you can genuinely rely on to be there forever. Mm hmm. And you've got to look after yourself and you've got to put yourself first. You have to. You can't, can't live any other way. I, yeah. I can't. And I, d I don't think that's selfish. I think it's um, no common sense. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And it, that is funny. That common sense does take a long time to realise. Yeah. It takes till 40. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to go, to, it does take time, doesn't it? Yeah. It does take time to... And I thought to... I was so grown up, you mm -hmm. know, when I was... 25. Well, I thought I was growing up when I was 12. I did. Yeah. I was always one of the, I was always the kid that gravitated towards the adults. I never wanted mm -hmm. one to play with the other kids. It was always, oh, go and chat to me, auntie, or I'll go and find this person or that person yeah. that's older and chat to them. Um, yeah. Strange. Isn't it? But yeah. I always have been like that. So you've, you've had this, would you say, I don't want to put it like this, but would you put say like your, you would you say your creative <laughs> life has kind of been like a, a hobby yeah. or would you say it's been more than a hobby i think i've held it as a hobby mm -hmm. i think i've i haven't allowed it to be any more than a hobby because i haven't felt worthy of it being anything more than a hobby and now i'm starting to realize that actually i can, I can. maybe it's who you are yeah Oh, it definitely yeah. is who I am. It's a massive part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And again, I squashed it for so long. I squashed so many things about myself for so long. And they've all just come bubbling back to the surface. And so many people have said, you know, you're back to who you were. You know, I met a friend for, for dinner, my friend James, who I've mm -hmm. known since 2004 when we met. Um, sound of music so again one of my closest friends mm -hmm. known him for nearly 20 years and I saw him for dinner the other night and he was like I can't I'd forgotten how I don't think he used words vivacious but that's why I'm going <laughs> I've forgotten how bright and how alive you were when I first met you he mm. said and that had you know that had gone and now it's back and I'd forgotten and I was like that's a, that's probably the biggest compliment anyone can pay me is that I'm back to who I should be so are you open to talking about any of the things along the way that stopped you being who you should be? Um, I think I just lost myself. Mm -hmm. I, I lost, I lost who I was. I wasn't, I don't know why exactly I got, I, well, I do. I got caught up in what I should have done. 
what people's expectations of me were. I was always doing things for other people. I've always been the person that other people wanted me to be. Why? Because um, it was what is expected of me. There's always been an expectation on me to be a certain way or to be a certain person. And um, I've let that go. So, I mean, my tattoos are something that I've got. That, that's my self-expression. I love my okay. tattoos. I've got quite a lot of tattoos. Yeah, tell, um, tell me about your tattoos. What? So, I'm sorry, my mum hates tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she still won't talk to me about them. Right, okay. <laughs> so, uh, and I got my first tattoo when I was 21. Mm-hmm. And I loved it so much. It was my favourite thing about me. Because it was mine. Mm-hmm. I designed it. I had it done. felt massively rebellious. I wasn't a rebellious kid at all. It was the first rebellious thing I'd ever done. So, it's the first time you got to truly be you I in think a way so yeah i think yeah, it's the first time yourself. i'd gone this is me mm-hmm. i'm gonna do it i still hid it yeah. <laughs> i remember when she saw it i was leaning over my friend rachel i've known since i was three she was there at the time yeah. she always laughs about this as well but i was leaning over and my top just rode up at the back of my uh, on my back and my mum went what is that <laughs> i'm like oh no tell me that's not real i was like yeah that that's real and there, I had two other friends around at the time, mm. and they just went, we're going to go now. <laughs> <laughs> they could just see the look in my mum's eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think she's come around to the idea a bit more now. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, she's, I just, I love them. Okay. I just, they're who I am. I've always loved them. I've, I've always wanted them. I've always felt that they made me a bit more me. Mm-hmm. And, uh some of them don't even mean anything. I just like them, so I got them. Okay. <laughs> uh, some of them do mean quite a lot. Like the one on my legs for my nan. Mm-hmm. She was a massive influence as well. Like the one that said she couldn't hear a word I was saying. She uh, she was a performer, and her and her sister BT they used to dance and sing on the stage. They in London. Okay. And when they were little, and they loved performing. And there's a there's a history of singing in my family. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's obviously where I kind of get it from and where I get the love from and that's where my love of musical theatre comes from as well because my nan always loved the musicals and it's just been passed down. So she was a massive influence to you? Huge yeah mm. she was the matriarch of our family and yeah she 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 taught me um she taught me she's the first person who taught me how to tap dance. Okay. I'm still really bad <laughs> <laughs> she'd be embarrassed. I still go to tap classes though Yeah. because I love it. I don't go to tap class because I'm any good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do. There's, an, there's an important thing in that, isn't there? Not doing something necessarily because you're good at it, and that's but because you love it. Yeah, that's mm. something that I've I've done recently because I think you don't. I always thought you have to be good at everything. Mm. You have to, and if you're not good at it, don't bother. You have. To, I was a massive perfectionist. Yeah. And now I just think, sod it. Let's just try it. Let's just give it yeah. a go. See, there's something in that that you know you're saying about like your mantra. One of my mantras at the moment is um, failing forward. Yeah. Um, so for a long time, I'd be a perfectionist and nothing would get done mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. couldn't reach that place yeah. of being good enough. Yeah. Um, and so I was putting things off and trying yeah, keep working towards that, that thing that I'm trying to achieve yeah. and then nothing. Yeah. Whereas with this, if you, if you go back to three or four weeks ago when I started, this whole setup was pretty awful <laughs> and like I had my best friend sitting down with me and we had a chat 
and only had a laptop and I did have these these microphones but they didn't work properly right and and uh lots of it technically was pretty bad yeah. and the conversation was not it's not for anyone else to listen to really <laughs> um, maybe one day <laughs> maybe maybe one day is a point to yeah. look back and go it didn't have to be perfect in the beginning it had to grow mm-hmm. yeah it had to, I had to keep failing I had to keep making mistakes in order to to get to that that good place yeah and I think that's what I've done with my videos as well mm-hmm. like putting them on YouTube and Instagram and stuff I just felt like I just needed to do it even if it wasn't great if it wasn't perfect yeah. you know I'd listen back to it and I'd get I'd cringe at some of the notes or I think oh I could have done that so much better mm-hmm. but what I do with it is I do one take I, I do a few takes like I do three or four or five but then I pick the best one and I don't cut anything. I don't cut any bits out. It's all one take. Yeah. And that's important for me because I just think you need to show your your faults. You need yeah. to show what you can't necessarily do as well. Because as none of can. us are perfect, no. are we? No. And I I've struggled with that my whole life. Always feeling like I needed to be the perfect person. I needed to be the person that, you know, um, like I was saying about people coming to me help I always wanted to be that person and I mm-hmm. felt like I had to be perfect especially as a teacher I had to be perfect for people then to be able to get something from me actually for my failures I've been able to teach people better yeah yeah much better do you think within some of the influences you've had do you think you know you talked about having really great parents mm-hmm. do you th- and your, your grand your, your nan was really important yeah. to you do you think there's possibly anything in putting some people very high up on maybe a pedestal do you think there's anything in that that then you go I might not ever reach that place of where they are I think actually it's been more of the fact that I've been put on a pedestal and I've been afraid of falling off so I just haven't done it so I just Mm. think well if I don't do it then I can't fail and then people won't think that I'm that's what I mean about being that person that people expect who put you on a pedestal um my family yeah yeah <laughs> so as much as they're sorry guys <laughs> as much as they've been really supportive yes. and I appreciate everything that they've done for me at points it's been difficult to meet that standard and I it's probably me like mm-hmm. you know they've they've probably had no expectation of me they, they just think I'm wonderful they genuinely think I'm wonderful but because they think I'm wonderful I feel like I always have to be wonderful so I'm not putting it on them at all. You know, yeah, we, yeah. we choose how we react to how people are to us, don't we? Mm-hmm. People can't and that, control and that's how all, we and feel. And it's all, it's all, you know, it's a very strange thing to be in a position of saying, got wonderful parents and they do a wonderful job, mm. but I've reacted, I've made some decisions from mm-hmm. how they've done a wonderful, you know, a wonderful thing, loving you and caring for you and trying to bring you up. Yeah. And I'm saying that from a place of my parents, very similar. Um, yep they're the best yeah um and they have always tried to raise me up and tell me i'm going to be the best at whatever i do same um and then yeah like i'm having a realization moment now of like yeah maybe maybe that's where my procrastination comes from yeah where my my holding back for perfection because i'm like can't live up to their what they're telling me i can i even had a a conversation with them the other day about their relationship because my mum and dad's relationship is so perfect mm-hmm. it's so perfect like they've been together 57 years this year and 
they met and within three weeks they knew they were going to get married and within six months I think they had got married mm-hmm. and then they've brought up this family and they are still together and they've gone through some really shit times mm-hmm. and they're still there holding each other looking after each other loving each other beyond belief and I think me and my two brothers have always had that as as again like um an expectation that that is what we would have and a hope as well yeah yeah but I think we've always gauged our relationships that we've been in against that based on them yeah Mm. and I had this because we don't see relationships like that so much now no with that 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 commitment and that that love and no. togetherness it uh it seems to be coming a thing that happens less and less and don't get me wrong mm-hmm. i wouldn't say no to it yeah, <laughs> it yeah. would be it would be the dream wouldn't it mm-hmm. but i think i've probably stopped myself going into relationships or maybe <clears throat> ended relationships because they didn't look like that or didn't feel like that or i felt like I mean, and is that wrong? Is that wrong? Should I be what, Should I have standards? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I suppose it's standards, but is it, um, you know, expectations beyond my reach? Um, <laughs> I don't know. don't know. I don't, don't know. Because there's lots of different elements yeah. to it, isn't yeah, it? Like, relationships yeah. are never as simple as, I just want the same as my mum and dad. No. <laughs> like that, and me and my brother you know, have had that conversation, mm-hmm. you know. We always idolise them and, and look at their relationship, and we've we've me and my eldest brother have had this conversation and you know we said we'd we may never have this you know mm. and it's okay it's okay if our relationships look different to mum yes. and dad's it is okay because you know they never have a crossword mm-hmm. they just don't they don't argue they don't fight and that's something that again i found really difficult in my relationships if we have a if we have words or if we across at each other or mad at each other that means oh my goodness like it can end the relationship because that's yeah. not what people do, but actually it is what people do. And that's how you sometimes work through things. Mm-hmm. But that's taken me a long time to understand that. As well. To get to that place. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it is, it is definitely a, a funny thing, like looking at the people around you and mm-hmm. trying to emulate what, what they have. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, we're, I'd, I'd say, I think the biggest thing is we're in different times. Yes. definitely. Maybe. You know the world has the world has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, people are a lot more, I think, fearful with like relationships and yeah. and things these days, and, and than think, perhaps they used to be. Yeah, I think there's just maybe with sort of social media and things, there's just a lot more on offer. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, there's the... a lot more avenues to go down, and also, you know, the stereotypical. Um, dad mum kids relationship and and family structure that that's not mm-hmm. normal and not not normal anymore it should yeah. be normal there's so many other iterations of family now mm-hmm. <clears throat> that actually <clears throat> i think that's a lot everyone's a lot more accepting of that which again as it should be yeah. so i think to hold that standard as as something that you expect to have is not realistic yeah Maybe. yeah and like you're saying about a bit things being on offer and the the landscape's just very yeah. different yeah for me i was in a i was in i was married but and in a relationship for 16 years mm-hmm. um and then 
exploring and finding out like Bumble and Twitter and and you're like you're like what the hell is, what is this? this what the yeah. hell is going on here yeah. like this didn't exist yeah. 16 years ago yeah. like you weren't judged on a on a photo no. 16 years ago uh, one photo and what your text chat was like yeah. yeah like that's that's a whole different it's not even a game is it no it's, it's horrible it is really yeah. horrible yeah. yeah so um I I've yeah I was in a relationship for 12 years mm-hmm. and um just sort of navigating that landscape myself so but I've refused to go I mean I'm not ready at the moment but I've refused (laughs) to go on any sort of dating apps at all I just I won't yeah it's not me I don't I don't judge anyone that does Mm -hmm. but again I'm very fortunate I hear that more and more of people people saying that I think people are becoming wise to it yeah that it's uh, that it's false that it's not working for anyone that it's not that's not the the it does work for a few people. I've got friends that yeah. that, that met their partners and mm-hmm. they are so happy on Tinder or Plenty of Fish or Match or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's amazing. And I'm that's why I don't judge. I, yeah. I don't judge anyway. That's one thing that I'm very, I I take very seriously. I don't judge people. I accept people for who they are. And mm-hmm. you do you, I'll do me. And if we align, we can work together. If we don't, then let's just go off anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I don't judge anyone for doing it, but I know for me it just wouldn't work because I'm very, mm-hmm. I'm a very, um, I'm a very tactile person. And I I need to get to know people through chatting and seeing them face to face, and I can't yeah. just judge rather than on a, a picture. picture. I and, can't. And I what you and what your what your text messages are exactly. like. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I just I wouldn't yeah. be able to do it. So yeah. no, it's not for me. No. <laughs> so. Um, Changing the subject slightly. Yeah. So I know this isn't, I did a little bit of research on you and I know yeah. this isn't the first time you've been on a podcast, is it? Yeah. You're like, what? <laughs> have, have I, I, have I have, done this before? You've done this before. You've done this with a, with a, with a friend and you, and you spoke, um, you're oh. on YouTube. You type in your name in YouTube you and you come Mike? up. Yeah. And you, yeah. Oh, is that about my, was that about my operation? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? That had gone completely. Was that, out of what, my was head. that a while ago? Was it? I think. I think that might have been during COVID when I went a bit nuts. <laughs> <laughs> went a bit nuts. Hasn't changed. So you just um, had this moment of just oh, go on a podcast. Yeah, I'm on a podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's he's Mike's amazing. Okay. He's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, mm-hmm. and my mum absolutely adores him beyond belief. Um just they just got on straight away and by the way he's got loads of tattoos and she doesn't mind his so I'm just saying thanks yeah. mum um <laughs> yeah so he's he's one of the sweetest men and he just feel like um it was his girlfriend that was going through endometriosis which is what I went through and it was can I ask what that is oh yeah so like, I'm, I'm like no, clueless. No, of course. Like... um so endometriosis is basically where um the lining of your womb grows outside of your womb and it goes into your body so with me I was stage four which um they grade it like cancer but it's not cancer so um my kidneys were stuck to my back my kidneys were stuck to my womb my womb was stuck to my bladder and my womb was also stuck to my bowel so I had to have reconstructive surgery on my bladder my bowel um and a full hysterectomy so um I can't have any children which I never really, I never wanted them. So, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I never wanted them because my body was telling me I couldn't have them. Right. Okay. Or because I was in denial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but when I was saying this to a friend the other day, I uh, I had my first operation 
and then I had to have I had a, a stoma um so I had a bag for four months and then I had to have that reversed and mm-hmm. it wasn't until I had the reversal done that I came home and I stood in the shower for 10 minutes and I literally cried for all the babies that I was never gonna have and that hit me really hard yeah and I've recently realized that I would like to have a family in whatever guise that might present itself. Mm-hmm. So you said it yourself, family isn't necessarily one no, one way, is it? No. Mm-hmm. So whether that's someone that's already got children that I meet or mm-hmm. potentially adopting, I don't know. This is very new. Yes. This yeah, is very no, new. No, like you said, me, you it, said I'm, you're open. I am. To I things. am. And all these opportunities mm-hmm. are kind of opening up to me and I don't know where I'm going to go and I'm excited about it, but I'm not saying no to anything anymore. Before I'd just gone, no, not doing that. No, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. Yeah. But now I'm a bit more open to things. So, but yeah, that's what endometriosis is. So it can go anywhere. I know someone that's got it in their lungs. Mm-hmm. Um, it can go into your legs. It can go anywhere. And it's really painful. So I was in pain every day of my life for 20 years. And this was where the whole exercise thing came in as well, because I was in every time I went to the gym, whatever, I was in so much horrendous pain. I thought everyone was. I thought it was just normal to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, to be like this in agony. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, the gym's really painful. But I was literally throwing up and passing out. You know, it was that bad. And I mm-hmm. thought, I'm just such a wuss. I just can't do it. I'm just allergic to exercise. No, you're really poorly. <laughs> and then once everything had sorted itself out, mm-hmm. I then had to change my relationship with my body massively. Um, because I wasn't connected to it at all. I'd completely disconnected myself from my body, almost ignored it, ignored the fact that it was there. It got me around day to day, Mm. mostly. But because I'd been in pain and it hadn't served me for so long, I didn't feel like I wanted anything to do with it. Um, Yeah, so that's been nice, reconnecting Mm. with my body and how it works and just being excited about the fact that I can use it, you know, to do stuff. So you've, Maybe this is a huge part of your reawakening and your re maybe. your new be- new beginnings. Yeah, yeah. maybe. But um, yeah, so that was the other podcast I was on. <laughs> yeah, I've so totally you like, you're like what are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that was done distanced as well because it was during COVID, so it was sort of yeah. I was on my laptop. He was, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like this. <laughs> so, is there any advice that you'd give to anyone kind of going through what you went through? Um, just keep badgering them because the thing keep badgering the doctors, mm-hmm. uh, medical professionals, because it's a lot more spoken about now. But when I was going through it, there wasn't a lot of uh, information about it. People just didn't. I <clears throat> I went to the doctors, and the first doctor I went to literally didn't believe me. Just didn't believe me. Mm-hmm. The second doctor I went to luckily did. And said, you hear yeah, that so often, honestly, you? and especially. I'm playing a feminist card now, okay, but um, especially with women and the things that women suffer and go through, mm-hmm. I have to say the gynecologist that I had that I eventually went to was a guy. Shout out to Mr. Whitlow. He's amazing. Colchester, if anyone needs him. Um, but he's the one that, you know, I said to him, I want a hysterectomy. I want everything taken away because I know that if I have that, I'm, my life's going to be perfect fine you know Mm -hmm. i need everything gone so that i can live because i wasn't living i was existing day to day i was existing Mm. like i couldn't go out the house some days because i was in so much pain or because i didn't know what was going to happen with my body it was so unpredictable all the time and um 
he said, it's, it's your body, you can do what you want. And at that point, I just burst into flood of tears and it's the first person that said that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, again, it was just a moment of feeling free and knowing that I was going to get something done about it. But yeah, badger, badger the health professionals because it takes an average of seven years for someone to get diagnosed with endometriosis. Seven years. Seven years. Wow. I had it for 20 years before they even... And, so you, and, and it's a pain that can't be pinpointed to one particular no. thing. No, it's, it's so Until they do the investigation. Yeah, so they have to open you up. They have mm-hmm. to do a laparoscopy where they go in with keyhole surgery. And um, that's what they did with me. They were like, oh, we'll go in and we'll do something. They do something called a clearance where they'll literally take out any endometriosis that they find. And sometimes it gives you six months free of pain. Sometimes it gives you two years. You know, especially for people that want to um, have a baby, some like your fertility can be affected 50 times more than PCOS, mm-hmm. uh, polycystic ovary syndrome, which people talk about all the time. But actually, the fertility rate for endo is so much less. Like, it's so much harder to get pregnant. Um, as far as I know, I'm not a medical professional, but that's what I've read. Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> they go in and they'll do a clearance, get out as much as they can. <clears throat> Sorry. And then they'll sew you back up and see how you get on they went in and he opened me up and just went I just closed you back up again because it was everywhere it was absolutely everywhere and I was like great so what can we Hmm. do about that he was like well you'll have to have everything taken away or or cleared in a much more um extended surgery than I could have done today so my final surgery with everything was five and a half hours I had everything sorted out how does that feel looking back on that time I definitely had PTSD afterwards didn't Mm -hmm. even without a doubt um and I don't say that lightly at all I was broken for a long time afterwards and maybe that's the part of me where I'd lost myself a little bit because of that disconnection with my body that disconnection with who I was again I'd been in pain for so long I'd then had this freedom and I didn't really know what to do with it right um so yeah lost yeah and like yeah where do I go yeah mm. and and scary because you know you get to a point where you're like well I, I can do anything now I don't want to yeah <laughs> yeah whereas not this like now mm-hmm. I'm at the point where I can do anything and I literally I want to do everything I want to experience everything I want to go everywhere and do everything so so yeah, you, what would you say to people that so prior to you know in the in the early stage, you just say to someone, pest, pester, yeah. get on top of it, yeah, you know, make sure they're doing the best for you. Yeah, I think talk to people, mm-hmm. talk to your family and friends, and really get them to understand what you're going through. Because again, my family were incredible. They were just they listened, they supported, they helped. But I've got other friends that have gone through it that people don't understand so like for example weight gain is a massive thing with endometriosis so there can be comments from people you know like oh, um maybe you know if you change your diet or if you exercise a little bit more and all of that can be really unhelpful because you don't feel like changing your diet because you're in pain all the time so sometimes you just do want to eat chocolate mm-hmm. plus the fact that even if you stop eating crap and exercise you will still stay the same size because the endo is literally causing it and it's bloating and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so I think talk to people and talk to a professional as well. Talk to someone like me who's gone through it. Mm. My experience will be totally different to anyone else's. That's the other thing. 
endo shows up in so many different ways and so many different people and there's not one person that's the same as somebody else Mm -hmm. so one person might have loads of pain one person another friend of mine had no pain at all until a cyst burst and she was in agony and then they realized i think she was stage two nearly stage three she didn't even know she had it yeah so everyone's experience of it is different, which again is why it's so difficult to diagnose. It's not that they're not trying to diagnose it, it's just so hard to do. So talk to medical professionals, talk to um, professionals that can help you, maybe counselling, therapy, you know, whatever works for you, or friends and family, and friends and family. Just talk to as many people as possible, because I think the stigma around it has gone now as well. Like Lots of more people were finding out what it's about. My, my partner that I was with at the time, didn't realize how bad it was until he listened to a radio two interview on it mm-hmm. and he literally came home to me and he went i'm so sorry i didn't actually realize what you were going through yeah and so this like, is why it's important to talk and oh, to have those conversations so isn't it? Yeah. yeah yeah really important what i want to know more about is that that time afterwards of you being lost and then coming out of being lost okay um it's difficult for me to articulate at the moment because I think I'm still coming out of it. Mm-hmm. All I can say is um, I shut so many parts of myself down probably because I felt like I was almost ashamed of them or didn't feel like they were acceptable to society or other people. Mm-hmm. And just by slowly opening myself out and just thinking, I don't actually care what other people think of me. And I genuinely don't now. Mm-hmm. And not again, not in a not in a selfish way. way. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, I genuinely don't care what people think of me. I mm-hmm. am me. This is who I am. And if you like me, wonderful, brilliant, let's be friends. If you don't like me, then move on. Find someone you do like because I don't want to be that person in your life that that pisses you off or or makes you mad. That's not who I am. Mm -hmm. So let's just move on and go our separate ways. Um, Yeah. yeah. So it it takes you me back to that mantra that you spoke about at the beginning, Mm -hmm. as well. That being kind to yourself. Yeah. Starting the day being kind to yourself. And it is a kindness. Mm. I was always so kind to other people. Why should you not be kind to yourself? Right? Exactly. So, you deserve it as much as anyone mm. else, more than anyone else with yourself. And once you realise that and once you actually get that and and go with it and believe it, that's the difficult bit. That's the difficult Believing that you deserve it. Mm-hmm. Believing that... You deserve what? That you deserve love. Mm-hmm. That you deserve to love yourself and you deserve to be loved. I think that's that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. that's the important bit. Yeah. Tell me, um, on that note, tell me a bit about your calligraphy. Yes. So you, because this is this comes from you, the artist. You? <laughs> yeah. Really so know. again, it was a lockdown project. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. So I hadn't really thought about it prior to that, but my auntie, when I was about eight, she bought me you know those italic pens you used yes, to get in wh yeah. smith yeah she bought me some of those mm-hmm. and like showed me how to do gothic calligraphy and i'd done that and forgotten about it and then in lockdown i saw someone doing what i now know is pointed nib calligraphy 
Um, and I just fell in love. I was like, oh, I really want to be able to do that. And you literally dip your nib in the ink okay. and write with it like proper old school okay. or use watercolour or there's so many different things you can do with it. Um, and I just started, just got a beginner kit, got a course online mm-hmm. and just started doing it in my dining room at home. Sat there for hours. That's the other thing. I get super focused, like hyper focused. As soon as I sit down and do something, I can lose five hours and not right. even realise. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I'll be sat there, and jigsaw puzzles are the worst. So I sit down <laughs> the, and do a jigsaw puzzle. And that's your that's your like your day. Yeah, and I'll think, oh, mm. I really need to go to the loo. <laughs> <laughs> what should you do? You've been there three hours, you know. Or I'm yeah. really thirsty. Yeah, of course you are. You yeah. haven't had a tea for three hours or whatever. Uh, but yeah, my calligraphy. So I started doing that, and then I just started posting stuff again because I thought. You know, everyone was posting stuff, weren't they? Mostly banana bread and mm-hmm. things that they were doing. But yeah, I started posting my calligraphy. Banana bread. Banana yes. bread. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely banana bread. <laughs> I did that too. Yes, yeah. That and coffee and walnut <laughs> cake. Um, but yeah, so I started doing my calligraphy and posting that. And again, people were saying, oh, that's really, that's really good. And I was like, actually, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, if people like it, maybe people will buy it. And I need some okay. money because <laughs> I'm skin. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, right, well, I'll start making some stuff. Mm-hmm. And I started making some stuff and people started buying it. And I was like, oh, this is good. So then I treated myself to a, an iPad and an Apple Pencil and started doing electronic stuff and posting that. And then I found this amazing company called the Modern Calligraphy Company, who I actually now work for. Okay. And I set myself some intentions. So... Another thing I did in lockdown, like read all these books about intention manifesting and mm-hmm. setting yourself goals and stuff and uh, work. Yeah. So I was like, right, I want to work for this company. Eventually, I want to work for them. And they do live events. So you go to Joe Malone, Malton Brown. I've done Dior, Givenchy, loads of different places. That's mm-hmm. not for them. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I have done them. Uh, and yeah, you just go and do live on-site events where you do calligraphy like on their boxes or on leaflets for whatever you or or engrave on their bottles okay um so So tell me more more about these live events so i i turn up and it's normally for father's day mother's day christmas valentine's day that sort of thing Mm -hmm. and people can just come to the counter and they say oh would you like some personalization on that and we might write happy christmas mary or um merry christmas dave or whatever or you know happy father's day Mm -hmm. on them um but it has to be specific, so we have to. I don't know what your secrets now. And <laughs> um, we have to learn a certain script, certain font. So it can't just be whatever your. They they encourage you to put your own flourish on it, but it has to be within certain guidelines. So it's on brand. Well, okay. So I've learned a lot about branding and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I've learned so much from working for them. Yeah. So I started doing commissions mm-hmm. uh, for people. Uh, one of the best ones I've ever done actually wasn't paid commission. It was for my dad. No. So That's what? often the best way when you create something, isn't it? To create something for people you love. Yeah, yeah. and it took forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was so worth it just to see his face. Oh, my God. Never forget it. So it was for his 80th birthday. And we couldn't have anyone around because it was during COVID. And I went to see them. And he loves the song Vincent by Don McLean. Okay. And um, it starts off, starry, starry night. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I wrote Van Gogh Van Gogh picture yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah and it's all about Van Gogh so mm-hmm. the Starry Night picture this is the the song yeah yeah so I wrote all the words of the song as Van Gogh Starry Night <laughs> as Van Gogh Starry Night picture 
Okay, I need to see this. I think. Okay. Just carry on describing. <laughs> I'll, show, I'll show it to you later. Yes, yeah. But yeah, so it's it's Van Gogh's Starry Night, but it's got all the words of Don McLean's. And as he opened it, mm-hmm. we played the song for him so that he knew what the it reference, was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was just the most magical moment. It was lovely. Yeah, that's un- that's important. And I know that other people were having those moments from mm-hmm. stuff that I create for them. You know, I get people saying, "Oh, can you create this for my mum and dad's?" Ruby anniversary or can you create this for our wedding as a reminder or can you create this for my friend who's going through some real shit at the moment and it, all of that I get to hear people's stories and I get to be involved in that and that even like at the live events you know or mm-hmm. who, are you, who are you giving this to why is it special and I get to hear people's stories of connecting why with people yeah and again it's that connection it's that face to face connection that I love and that I enjoy I love people yeah, yeah. I love people. I love connecting with people. What is it about that that, that you love? I just, I'm interested. I'm so interested in other people. Mm. I'm so interested in finding out. I think, again, it goes back to the Musical Theatre Society and having all those different people with all different life experiences being in one place. People are fascinating. Even if they do the most boring job or what people think is boring, I'm fascinated by it mm-hmm. or why they love it or why they hate it and why they're still doing it. Are they doing it to support their family? Are they doing it because they don't know what else they can do? Are they all of that? That fascinates me. Mm. Um, yeah, and it, it teaches me something. You know, it teaches me something about myself or about my life or about maybe where I want to go and what I want to do. Yeah, I'm always I, listening. I, I find within curiosity, it kind of opens doors. Massively, it kind of takes you down different routes Massively. and that's what that's why i'm loving this yeah yeah because this is opening doors and this is taking taking me on a journey like nothing i've experienced in 40 years yeah you know <laughs> um there is something in connecting with people and finding out about them yeah. isn't there yeah it yeah. really is and listening mm. i love listening i know i'm doing a lot of talking today but this, this is about <laughs> this is about you so <laughs> but this i'm again i'm not used to this i will much rather mm-hmm sit and listen to someone and I think that's the biggest gift you can give to anyone is really truly listening to someone mm-hmm. not thinking about what you're going to say next or thinking about how you're going to respond to that person to show them who you are it's really truly listening to them and thinking I, I want to hear what this person's got to say mm. and that is what I always try and do. Yeah. Try. Yeah. Don't and that's and, and that is exactly what I'm trying yeah. to do to do myself. Yeah. So where can we find your calligraphy? Am I pronouncing that right? Calligraphy, yeah, yeah. Calligraphy. It's, yeah, it's calligraphy. And I do yeah. pointed nib calligraphy, I do engraving calligraphy. Mm-hmm. Um so I am uh outlaw calligraphy on Instagram. I haven't got a website yet and that's um I really should because my main job day to day is as a um I work for a web developer and web design company. Okay. <laughs> and I work so you web... know the importance know. of having a website. I know. Yeah. And I yeah and uh, yeah get your website kids. <laughs> but I don't have one at the moment. So do you um, develop websites yourself? I, no, my friend Kelly is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um she develops the websites, designs the websites. I do the graphic design for her. I do all her social media, marketing, PR, bookkeeping basically her bitch so I, yeah, okay. <laughs> I do i do everything that she asks me to do um but no she's the clever one she does all the coding and so everything. you need to ask her to make you a website oh she oh, will so what's her name kelly kelly make alex a website please <laughs> she will she will she keeps badgering me about it she's yeah. I'm like, i can do it i can i can make mm-hmm. it 
she just needs to set up the platform for me and I can I can put it all together. But um yeah, it's just one this another thing, isn't it? That you just It is. And you and you, where you're you're part of this journey it's part of this journey. Yeah. That maybe not everything has to come all at once. No. You know, that that can be the next the next It'll happen step. in its own time. Mm. It'll happen at the right time. That's another thing that I've done. Just trust it's really <laughs> trust the process. <laughs> trust in the process. It's yeah. one of those things, isn't it? But do because yeah. Everything happens at the right time. Well, you spoke about, you, you mentioned believing in manifesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Tell me about Massively. that, because that uh, is trusting. It I see is. it as a, it's worked best for me when I trust, that I'm going to sound really wanky now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said <laughs> that. I was going to yeah, say wanky yeah, a minute ago. I was like, so, shall I say that? Yeah, no, it is, but it, it does. And, and I'm sorry, until you, until you get to that point of like, uh, yeah, things are coming together. Yeah trusting the universe is important everything i've asked for in my life i've got whether that's good or bad Mm -hmm. everything i've asked for i've got now whether i've made that happen or whether opportunities have been put in front of me by whoever i don't know Mm. but i've always got whatever i've asked for and now and not in a tantrum way again in that kind of selfish way so so what I've found with it, it's not always directly what I've asked for. No. It's what I need. Yeah. Yeah. So it happens for you, not to you. Mm. So when you think something bad is happening to you, it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. Yeah. So you've got to go through that shit. It's repositioning your thought process over that. It's how you react. Yeah. How it's you always react. how you react to mm. something. So, yeah, it's, it's shit's going to happen to you your whole life but it's how you react to that shit that makes you the person that you are. And, tr- and trusting where that shit is going to take yeah. you to as well. I think so, mm. without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I haven't been through as much crap in my life as most people, but I have, mm-hmm. and it's affected me a lot. And it, but it's also maybe the person I am now, so I wouldn't exactly. change any of it. Mm-hmm. I literally wouldn't change anything that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Is there a is there a manifesting moment for you where you was like, yeah, this is this is part of what this is about? Um, I think when I got my first job with the Modern Cooker Company, when mm-hmm. they went, you're going to go and work for Joe Malone, and I went, what? <laughs> okay, all right, I'll do that because mm. there was three. It still companies. comes as a surprise, doesn't it? Yeah, there were three yeah. companies that I wanted to work for: Joe Malone, Malton Brown, Dior, and now, tick tick tick. And now those people are actually asking for me to come back by name. Mm-hmm. And that's nuts. Like, to me, that's nuts. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's amazing. And just getting, I got, I, got, um, I got headhunted to go and work for some of these places. And again, I never thought that would happen. Mm. Like, there's so many people that I think are so much better at calligraphy than me. But I guess I've got the... Because of my drama and because of the acting side of things, the thing that I can do is talk to people and interact with people. And I think that's something that actually some of the creatives that do calligraphy struggle with because Mm. they are very introverted. They're not used to, they sit in their studios and they do stuff for people, but um, they're not necessarily comfortable being at live events and being in front. Because you literally sit at a desk at a a deal counter or a Joe Malone counter and you're being watched the whole time you're doing it, you're being watched. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't bother me because I, I get watched on stage singing and doing whatever. Yeah. 
It takes it, it is it takes something to build up those skills, doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't necessarily just come naturally to a lot of no. people. And all the things that I've done in my mm-hmm. life, all the has now come to this. Come to this. And yeah. it is it I can now see that, you know, all the things all my performing side of things mm-hmm. isn't just Isn't just performing. for the performing on no, the stage. It's for, it's for my mm. calligraphy stuff that I do now, it's for my singing gigs that I'm doing, you know, everything. It's for this. Yeah. You know, being comfortable mm-hmm. sitting here is all come from accepting myself but also from the performance side of things you know yeah 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 that that um there's definitely something in manifesting and um but not to the point where you just sit back and go i i i i want to be a famous actor i want to be on the west end yeah therefore that's going to happen for me i think that's the key Mm. thing you have to action it you have to make when when things present themselves to you this is what i mean about saying yes Mm -hmm. i got a phone call two days ago from um, one of the ladies at the Modern Cooking Company saying, we want to feature you in, in our magazine that's coming out at Christmas. I don't know if I meant to say that, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's out there now. Um, I was like, oh, my... That, that, that's nuts. Yes, of course. But, you know, I, it's, it's taken trust and hard work to kind of get there. Didn't just, they wouldn't just phone me up and say that no. for no reason. But, yeah, I've... I've I've made that happen from the work that I've done with them. I'm now a I now teach for them as well, so I run workshops for them too. So I teach people mm-hmm. again. My teaching that I've done all my life has gone into now teaching people calligraphy. I never thought I'd do that. Yeah, it's crazy. So you teach so you teach calligraphy I as teach well. Teach calligraphy as well. Yeah. So okay. I do I do workshops calligraphy mm-hmm. workshops, and um I had someone contact me, uh, a, a wedding venue. They've contacted me and said, oh, we'd like you to come in and do some. Um, workshops for our brides so they can do their own like bridal calligraphy you know on their place names and things but again they just contacted me out of the blue and that was exciting so I'm going to go and do a couple again for the modern calligraphy company but Mm -hmm. back in yeah so what what does that look like when you've got some some students yeah so I normally have I mean I've had four students I've had 14 students it just depends how many people are booked on the course Mm -hmm. um and they get these worksheets that we work through. And first of all, you have to teach them the basic strokes. So the basic strokes of calligraphy are the downstroke, which is thick, because as you press the pen down, the tines of the pen open up, so you get thick strokes. And then as you gently push the pen away from you, the tines come back together, mm-hmm. and then you get the thin strokes. So you always get thin upstrokes and thick downstrokes. And then you've got the sideways strokes and all different. So you do that first and just, just get your hand and eye in. Mm-hmm. Um, Calligraphy is much more about drawing than it is about writing. So I have people come to me that are dyslexic and they're like, oh, I can't spell. Like, well, don't worry about it. You're making shapes. Yeah. You're drawing shapes. And we'll just put the and shapes you take, together. And you do one shape at a time. You do one shape at a time. Mm-hmm. And you literally draw, we'll draw an over and then we'll draw a line. And then we'll, and it's really freeing for people. Mm-hmm. And you, you get to a point in the workshop, this is my favorite point in the workshop, where it just goes silent. Everyone stops talking and they're just focused on what they're doing in front of them some people get frustrated and that's okay you know we go back in and help but there gets to a point where everyone's just in the zone Mm. and i just sit back and go this is it this is why we do calligraphy because it just calms everything down that was what i found lockdown it calmed down and i needed that so much Mm. Um, because you couldn't you said you're busy 
you like to be busy, like to be busy and we were forced into a situation where you, you you had to change that you didn't have a choice no didn't no i don't like that either no, no. <laughs> i don't no. like being told what to do yeah um yeah so but it does it calms you down and i think singing calms you down as well that's the breath work mm-hmm. because obviously if you breathe out longer than you breathe in you connect to your i think it's your parasympathetic nervous system okay. the one that does your respiration your heart rate your blood and everything um you reconnect with that so so there's a there's a form of therapy within the performance oh massively Mm. so when you're in fight or flight mode you are connected to the nervous system that has got the adrenaline cortisol and so many people live in that arena now with social media we're all constantly stimulated stimulated Mm -hmm. all the time and we're always in fight or flight mode like what's the next thing what's the next thing and when you sing or when you do calligraphy your breath slows has to so and when you, like, I don't know if you've ever done, like, the box or the four, three, two counting when you breathe. So you breathe in for two, mm-hmm. then you hold it for three, and then you breathe out for four. Yes, yeah. Four and three, it, yeah. yeah, and mm-hmm. it really connects you back to your parasympathetic nervous mm-hmm. system, which is your respiration. Yeah. I st- that's how I start my day. Okay. So, yeah, at the beginning of every day, I do that before I take a, a cold I go. Into, I have a cold plunge oh, that I go crazy. into. Oh, you're crazy! Yeah, no. it's, it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. But it's that's part. That's part of my routine is doing that. But because that makes that's what makes me is that feel the good. Wim Hof. That's right. Method. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. I've, I've done that. Which is essentially the yeah. same breathing method as what you're saying with the singing. Very much. Mm. Very much. And it just reconnects you. Yeah. And I think that's why people have emotional responses to it as well because they're so used to being in that heightened state of oh my God, what's happening next? Mm-hmm. To then just kind of come down and have that realisation that they're okay. Yeah. And they can release and they can just be, just in this be, moment. in this moment, just mm-hmm. be and connect themselves. So powerful. Yeah. That's something that I got out of lockdown was realising about the moment mm-hmm. and yeah. living in the moment that we're in, that we're in now. Yeah. Not all the stuff that happened earlier today no. and all the no. potential for what could come next. This yeah. right here now is is the moment. Yeah. This is where the where life is. Yeah. And that's yeah. and that comes back to listening again, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Like when I'm listening to someone, I'm not thinking about my dinner or what I'm doing tomorrow or anything like that. I'm not thinking about I'm not bringing the shit in that happened to me earlier. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah. Just sitting, connecting with that person opposite me as much as I can don't get me wrong sometimes I think about other stuff that yeah. can happen or you know yeah, because not, there's, there's, we're humans not like, yeah and I'm fine yeah and that. this is why I say the way I use the word wanky when I was talking yeah. because it does because because some some people that don't quite understand this might look or at it and go, or haven't it. experienced it or haven't that's, got there yet that's it it's if yeah, you haven't it's, experienced it it's it's then it's like yeah really yeah, yeah you sound like a you, twat. you sound like you know it you <laughs> yeah. sound like you know everything yeah. and it's not coming from a place of of knowing everything no it's coming from a place of finding things that have worked for us yeah and it is what works for you it is you know fine again it's connecting to who you are Mm -hmm. and what you want in life i think that's the key thing as well like really knowing really understanding what it is you want out of life Mm -hmm. i'm not there yet i don't know this is why I'm excited because because it's open. Yeah, 
And there's is there is it any part of that question that that you've got a hold of at all? Honestly, no. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I know I want connections with people. I know I want people in my life that lift me up and I lift them up. And I want that. Um, but I don't know what that looks like. If it looks like anything, it's always going to be something fluid to change. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, again, yeah, come into your life for a reason. Go out of your life. They do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And some people, yeah, I've I've had people that have come into my life recently and uh, and then left my life. And then I was like, well, that was just a chapter. Yeah. That was just a moment. Like, they weren't meant to hang around. No. They weren't meant to be there forever. No. Or even actually, even something that I've personally struggled with over the years is people that you've known for a very long time. And then they disappear out of your like you, your lives go in different directions, yeah. and you're like, yeah, no, maybe like that's the. But that's right. Yeah, that's that's how it should. Be. And maybe you'll reconnect at some point yes, when yeah. you're both in alignment with each other again. But when you're not, there's no point fighting it. There's no point mm-hmm. trying to be someone you're not just to keep someone else. Alive. Yeah, yeah, that's... trusting trusting the journey. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah and trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. And trusting yourself to know what it is that that's best for you. I might not know what I want, but I know how I want to feel. That's okay. the key. So I don't know what it is that I want. And maybe I don't actually want anything, mm-hmm. but I do know how I want to feel in my life. And right now, this is how I feel. Like yeah. this. Yeah, always. Good. And what what is this? Uh Contentment with a touch of excitement. <laughs> yeah, that. that sounds like that, a good place to be. That describes it perfectly. Contentment mm-hmm. with a touch of excitement. Good. So, so what's is there anything next for you? Is there anything in the in the future you're looking forward to? I would, I would like to travel. I haven't traveled much. I'd like, I'd like to see more of the world. Mm-hmm. Again, just to connect people with other cultures, different, have different experiences in different places. I would love that. My brother's travelled a lot. He tells me a lot of the stories of the places. Mm-hmm. I've, but I've always been too scared. Okay. I'd always been too mm-hmm. worried about what might happen, who I might meet, all these things. Yeah. And but living, living in that place of anxiety, of that worrying about that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have it anymore. No. It's literally gone. Nice. I'm not anxious mm-hmm. ever, which is totally bizarre to yeah. me. Uh, that is, this is not something that I'm used to. I was an anxious kid. I literally used to throw up before I went to school every morning because I didn't want to walk into that class. Yeah. I was terrified. Terrified. I've been terrified my whole life. Terrified of walking into situations. Terrified of getting on stage. Terrified of doing anything. And now I just think, I can't live like that. I mm. can't do it anymore. It's exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. So I've stopped. It's not fair on yourself, is it, no. to to live like that? If no. you, and yeah. you don't, and all the experiences that you miss out on mm-hmm. because you've just gone. No, I can't, can't do that. So have you travelled anywhere? Have you been any travelling? So my brother lived in yeah. Australia, and we okay. went out there when I was sixteen. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. I loved that uh, with my parents. 
So when I finished my GCSEs, even before I got my results, I didn't care what my results were. This no, is what I mean about them to... being amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's just go to Australia. We hadn't seen him for three mm-hmm. years and we wanted to see him. So we did that. Middle of winter out there. It was great. <laughs> but it was the best time. Uh, and I've been to a lot of places in Europe. One of my favorite places I've been is Tallinn in Estonia. The people are incredible. The place is incredible. It's like, I, I'm a massive fan of Disney mm-hmm. and Harry Potter. Yeah massive so it was a proper fairy tale place like there's castles and mm-hmm. there's turrets and it's it's the sorry where was this Tallinn, Tallinn in Estonia okay and it's the oldest is this like where they're based frozen off of is this I like don't know. yeah I don't know. Know. I'm not sure mm. but they uh it's the oldest medieval it's the oldest complete medieval settlement in the world mm-hmm and and there's a tower called Fat Margaret I mean there's gonna okay. <laughs> you can't not love somewhere where there's a tower called Fat Margaret, and it is like a dumpy little tower. Um, brilliant. Mm. Yeah, so that was amazing. Um, I, yeah, I've been, I've been to a lot of different places, but I'd love to go to Canada. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go to Hawaii. Um, I'd love to go to the Fijian Islands. Um, I'd love to go to deep Yeah. I feel like I'd be very at home. I don't know why. Do you ever feel like you, you go, there's a, there's you a go place, somewhere? Yeah. yeah, there's a place. And I think New Zealand. What would be your place? Oh, that's a good question. See, see I, I went to Spain a lot as a child. Yeah. And so I've got good memories of there and haven't yeah. been there like so much as an adult. So yeah. I kind of feel like I enjoyed that kind of warmth and sitting on the beach. Yeah. And that felt, felt very much kind of, yeah, maybe that one day. I'd have a home out in Spain, yeah. you know, in the south of Spain somewhere. Yeah. Torrey Molinas. <laughs> like, I know that's like, ti- I know, I know that's like typical, like, Torrey Yeah, I like, that's like the typical Brit, you know, it was at one stage yeah. anyway, holiday destination. Yeah. But I have nostalgia for it. I think nostalgia is so, really powerful, isn't it? Yeah. It's like when I smell creosote, right. I'm instantly taken back to my granddad and his shed yeah. and being in the garden and having the best time. And I think that's, smells like a really important thing as yeah. well you know you have a or food like a taste that you go oh where have i where have i had this before yeah, yeah and i think it just takes you back somewhere i've actually hit a nostalgia moment in my life recently actually yeah. i've uh I've started collecting the toys that I had when I was younger. Have you? <laughs> Which, what are you collecting? Like uh hero turtles and things like that and He-Man Raphael, Donatello, yeah. Michelangelo, and Leonardo. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I just was, I was like, <laughs> why did I ever get rid of those yeah. things? I loved them. Yeah. Like, I genuinely loved having these toys as yeah. a kid. And to get them back now, that nostalgia feeling, I, I've got a little shed that's my office. Yeah. And I have them in my shed with me. Oh, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, some people might think that's, you know, I should grow up. No. But I'm why like, do, no, that's... never grow up. It's no. a trap. Yeah. It <laughs> is, isn't it? It's... You don't, why do you, why do you yeah. need to grow up? Mm-hmm. No one ever needs to grow up. What is yeah. growing up? And there you go. I've got one of my toys here, like Superman. Like, oh, that's <laughs> like, cute. Like Superman. Superman's been huge to me throughout my life. Yeah. And the nostalgia that I get from, like, I learned to read through comics. Brilliant. I couldn't read properly at school. Brilliant. But comics was a thing that my grandparents gave me comics. Uh, every time they'd take me away, I'd get a new comic from my granddad. And I learned to read that way through, yeah, through looking at the pictures, associating the pictures with the words yeah. and taking my time. And something that I couldn't get from school. Yeah. 
and I still love comics now. <laughs> like, yeah, for a nostalgic love. Yeah. Yeah. Why Superman? Uh, why Superman? Superman was... And which Superman? Oh, Christopher Reeve. Obviously. As, as in, like, Christopher <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reeve was the was my Superman. Yeah. And there was something about about he was a... Do you know what? I didn't... I don't... Until I'm saying this now, I didn't realise what I, what I loved about him as Superman and Superman. But he was genuine and he cared and he, he wanted to do good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you can read that in actors, can't you? When actually yes, and you could, read, you could read that within, within him. Yeah. Yeah, you could see that he was Superman. Yeah. He, the things that, like I've read his biography since and watched a lot of YouTube videos of um, interviews with him because I've always looked up to him as an actor as well as that character. And yeah, he was someone that, that embodied that, that message of, of hope and, and of doing good yeah. and doing good for others and doing something that's beyond yourself, you know, mm-hmm. doing something that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's greater than, greater than the, just, just what I can do here. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a lot to do in this actually. Um, I think this is about connection mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Um, and I think there's, I think there's an importance within conversation. Um, I think sitting down and hearing your story and hearing the things that have been beneficial to you in your life, well, hopefully someone else might sit back and watch that and listen to it. If only one person listens to that. This is what I was saying yeah. about my, my videos that I do. If one person enjoys it, if one person mm-hmm. gets something from it or it reminds me reminds them of their nan or it reminds them of their, their child when they sang it in assembly or something, that's that. Yeah. And what's amazing within that is through that giving of wanting to give, you, yeah. then, you then receive. Yeah. Like then you, get, you go, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, 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 the receiving is, is, is massive. My favourite part of Christmas mm-hmm. is giving presents. Love yeah. it. I love watching people opening them. And when you so know, you're a Christmas fan. I love Christmas. Yes, yeah. Oh my gosh, I love Christmas. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that, that look on someone's face, when you get the present just right and you mm-hmm. know that they love it, yeah, I mean, there's the other side of it where they go, oh, oh thank you. Oh, that <laughs> like, oh nice. shit, yeah. <laughs> I got that wrong. <laughs> but um, yeah, when they, when you get it just right, yeah, you think, oh yeah, nailed it. I I, I <laughs> know it. you. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I think it is about that, isn't it? I know you. Mm-hmm. When you give someone yes. something in a present, it's like I see you. Yeah, I know you. And I think when you get it wrong, you're like, you need to reevaluate. Mm-hmm. Do I actually know you? Or, yeah, and yeah. that being seen is. It's so important, isn't it? Oh my gosh, I can't even explain how important that is. For someone to see you, mm-hmm. to truly see you and accept you for who you are, that is, that's it. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I want. That's you what want I want. want to be seen. I want to be seen. And heard. Yeah. Yeah. For exactly who I am and accepted mm-hmm. for exactly who I am. That's it. That's what I want. There you go, we nailed it. Yeah, we nailed it. <laughs> I think that's the mission complete. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
So I did want to talk to you before we do wrap yeah, this yeah, up. Yeah. I did want to talk to you also about the the things that that you're doing singing wise as well because okay. you, you you've got some things coming up singing wise. Yeah. So I've found a wonderful cafe in Braintree called the Phoenix Cafe. Shout out to the Phoenix. Right, okay. they are... There's a Phoenix Cafe in Harlow Is as there? well. Yeah. A music. Oh. Are they linked? No. No. I don't think so. No. No. Okay. No. Um. No, the, the Phoenix Cafe in Braintree is run, but it's owned by three couples. So it's got a very community feel to it. And they're all incredible people. Um, and Phil, the guy that got me involved, um, is very keen to do like themed nights and to get people in for, for fun. Right, know? okay, yeah, yeah. So I've done, I did just a musical theatre night. I did a, um, recently did an afternoon tea where I did sort of 40s, 50s, 60s numbers. Mm-hmm. And then I'm doing on the 23rd of September we're doing a pie mash and liquor night nice I'm doing, I'm doing a cockney nice. knees up night I do love a bit of pie mash uh, <laughs> you have to come along <laughs> um, yeah doing like a cockney knees up night right uh, so it's a sing along mm-hmm. so you have to bring your <clears throat> bring your voice yeah, with you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then on the 4th of October I've got a gig at South Millarts which was my second home for years doing mm-hmm. Bishop's Talk Music Theatre Company um, and they asked me to come and do that which was really sweet of them and it's one of their live midweek music events. And like that's all musical theatre stuff. But I've got a friend um, accompanying me. I've got my cousin, who's an incredible musician, uh, Charlie Turner. She's going to be accompanying me and performing with me as well. And I've also hopefully got one of my students that I'm trying to encourage to do more performance. Mm-hmm. She's going to hopefully come and sing with me as well. We'll, we'll see that. Do you know what I love about seeing creatives talk about the future is when you started to talk about all these things you've got coming up, you came alive. Like, what yeah. is what is the feeling that you've got heading towards these <sighs> events? I think I'm just so excited to see what happens with them mm-hmm. and see who turns up, see what new people find out about me uh and who i get to meet through them um yeah all of that again is about connections isn't it it's about yeah. meeting people and and uh and performing for them and hopefully them like i do but mm-hmm. hey ho that is the only point where i do want people to like me <laughs> where i'm like i don't care if people like me but actually please can you like me when i'm performing because otherwise i'll cry <laughs> and it's specifically around musical theater yeah, mostly. Yeah. So opera was mm-hmm. what I trained in. And then I taught myself musical theatre, um, which is what I've always loved. Um, but yeah, the, the one on the 4th of October is mostly musical theatre stuff. Disney, obviously. Alan Menken, I had a, one of my heroes. Sorry, sorry to change okay, the subject. No. I'm just being thrown into I had a really interesting thing happen to me recently. I had a random night out. I love I, those. Yeah, They're my favourite. Th- that wasn't, it wasn't planned until the day. Went to a musical theatre rave shut up i didn't even know these were where was it and when are we going it it was in um (laughs) it was a do you know uh, gay yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. it was in there amazing and yeah it was just i was like is this is this a thing is this because i love musical theater i'm not a musical theater person yeah um but i love musical theater amazing and i was like a rave like that just sounds like the the best thing ever and it and it was i bet it, it was it was really like it was really special to be in a room with people that love the same songs you do because yeah. musical theater is a it's not not every it's not for everyone no. is it 
No, it's not I mean, people for... bursting into song in the middle mm. of a dinner is not. No. <laughs> Unless no. you're in my family, yep. people do actually call us the Von Trapp. It's not normal. <laughs> we do. But, but musical theatre is a, a, a different type of music and it has that, that, it's that connection thing. Like you're saying with like you've, your family yeah. and yeah. You, you're the Von Trapps. Yeah. 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 You connect in a different way than you would with, say, like a normal pop song. Yeah. Well, it's because you? when you, when you, with musical theatre, you have the drama. So you have the acting mm-hmm. and the acting's one level. And then when people start singing, it takes the emotion, emotional connection to another level. Mm. I've taught musical theatre for years, so I'm, I'm going to get a bit wanky now. No, no, this so, is important. <laughs> so when, when you sing, you take it to the next emotional level. Mm-hmm. And then when you start moving your body and dancing, you take it to a third, even bigger level. So that's, again, that's where the connection comes in. So musical theatre rave, mm-hmm. I'd literally lose my mind. Yeah. That would be amazing it was it was it was incredible it was and it was like i was like right okay i'm gonna stay till like 12 because you know you're getting older and everything <laughs> you're you like, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like yeah let's do this till 12 stay till like 3 a.m because it just like it was like there wasn't a moment yeah where a song came on and everyone in that place was singing and chanting there, there wasn't a moment to leave oh my god because it just sounds... And it was like, this is how musical theatre like should be celebrated. Yeah. Like, this is what it should. This should happen everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> apparently, it, they only do it there once a year, but then they. What? T- yeah, I know. I know. Maybe we'll have to like do it here or something. <laughs> but, that would be so cool. But like, it was a really. Have you ever heard of anything like that? No. 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 If I'd have heard of it, I'd have been there because yeah. that's right up my street. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, a, it was a. Yeah, it was really good when that. Um, there was something different about being in a nightclub environment and um, what was it that came on? One more day. Blame is. One that, day more. Yeah, and, oh. that, and that came on one day more. And, and, and yeah, <laughs> it like you don't you don't get it, or or, or when the when the bass dropped on on Wicked on um, Defying Gravity, oh, <laughs> like that, like don't. like that moment, Defying Gravity in a nightclub, you're like, yeah, like this should happen everywhere, <laughs> and it was like a genuinely fun night, yeah, because you and the and everyone there was having yeah. fun, yeah, and it was almost like oh, I found a community here. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hate any sort of forced fun mm. or, you know, informed fun where you you have to have fun. Yes, yeah, yeah. I like actually having fun. Mm-hmm. So sponta- spontaneity is so important to me. Yeah, yeah. I have to be able to be spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Like a night like that. Like you say about nights that you just don't expect yeah, to it wasn't, go on. Yeah, woke up that day, didn't know I'd be doing that at no. the end of the day. And No, yeah. I love that. that yeah. That's my favourite. That's, yeah. And that's, again, what I'm just so excited to be able to go, yeah, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll go to musical theatre, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I would, I would recommend it to to anyone. Um, but uh, yeah, so you've got all these things lined up next. Yeah. You're excited about them. Yeah, yeah. And where? So where does everyone find out about what Alex is doing? So I've got um, Outlaw Calligraphy, which is my calligraphy um, on Instagram, and then I've got the underscore singing underscore Outlaw on Instagram, which mm-hmm. is my singing side of things, and I'm also the singing outlaw on youtube as well okay so if you're really bored and you want to watch all my videos you can do that uh yeah that's about it and then eventually i'll have a website or two you'll get a website in the near future and if someone wants to become a student of yours oh um so i'm not actually teaching that much so it's it's um 
I've only got a couple of slots available because mm-hmm. uh, I stopped teaching. As another thing I did, I was like, right, I can't teach anymore. I'm I'm very done. Why is that? Um, because I think I wanted to perform again, mm-hmm. and I thought if I'm going to perform, I need to fall back in love with it, and I couldn't while I was teaching it. Um, you had to have a moment for you. Yeah. Again, it was <laughs> being selfish. Getting back to me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I just had to stop to find it again and then once i had uh circumstances changed and i need money again so <laughs> yeah well, well that yeah. that is the hard thing with being a and creative, i could either go and work it? at a pub or yeah eat. yeah no that is the so how do you find find that within your creative life having like other careers and so you found this with the calligraphy yeah yeah is there is there anything else in your creative life to that you've managed to find a good balance with? Um, well, I think my day-to-day job now as well, you know, that's, mm-hmm. I get to be, I mean, sometimes I'm not creative at all and Kelly will laugh at me and say, oh, you've had a techie day today because she can literally <laughs> see it in my eyes. I'm like, oh, please look, stop it, making me transfer website. Um, I'll just give, just give me a pencil, I want to draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do get the chance to be creative, uh, whether that is creative in terms of being artistic or creative in terms of, um where the business is going as well you know because i'm very involved in that uh yeah creative thought yeah it's um when you're a creative person you can bring that into your normal life can't Mm. you you can bring that into just just making decisions is being creative isn't it yeah Mm. i think so and i think a lot of people get decision fatigue as well because we make so many micro decisions during the day Mm -hmm. even you know what what am I going to do next? Am I going to make a cup of tea? Or do I have sugar in my tea? Or, you know, um, what toothpaste am I going to buy? Or, you know, anything. Those little micro decisions. Mm-hmm. And you do get decision fatigue and people end up just going, I can't, I just can't make a decision. But I think as a creative person, you almost do it automatically sometimes. And think outside the box and you think hard. And I don't find that I get it, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this has been this has been really nice. I'm I'm very pleased to meet you, Alex, and and I'm very pleased to meet and you. And this has been lovely sharing sharing your story. I really do appreciate you sharing your story. I know some of it's quite difficult to talk about sharing your truth. Yeah. You know, but but like we said, hopefully being open. Hopefully one person listens. Maybe. Um, and they get something from it. I've got something from it. So even if I'm that that one person, yes. then then it's done. That was the BTS Creative Academy podcast, Uncut. I appreciate you joining us for this conversation. If you'd like to drop into more conversations, just search the BTS Creative Academy podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And to make sure you don't miss any future episodes, don't forget to like and subscribe.